The most important thing is that when you ask someone to give you feedback, know what kind of feedback you want. And I don't mean just, oh, you know, I'll be fine with whatever you say. If you're not fine with whatever they're going to say, don't say that. You have to know how much you're ready to hear. Welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. On the show, it's my job to tease out the creative solutions my guests are coming up with to change the world through creativity, social action, and mindset. I also give you tips and techniques so you can do the same. This episode is brought to you by my class, Meditation for Busy People, where you'll learn how to relieve stress and discover clarity and joy in just five minutes a day. It's also brought to you by the Brain FM app and this podcast host, Podbean. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram or TikTok and check out our shop for merch, music, and musings. The links are all in the show notes. Hey there, and welcome to the Creative Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Isolde Trachtenberg. Thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. I want to talk today about something that is very close to my heart, actually, and that is that so often we hear that artists are somehow meant to be tortured souls, right? We hear about the artists like Jackson Pollock, uh, who are uh, in such pain and who have uh, mental health issues and things like that. And there is this notion of the tortured artist being touched by some sort of genius. And I want to sort of stand in the way of that. I want to talk about today about how the heart of creativity can actually be something that improves your mental health and how improving your mental health and how uh, working on your own personal growth can actually help you become a better creative. I, I know this is something that it's one of those things where we, we sort of have to think about this a little bit differently, right? Because if you're an artist or a musician or a writer and you want to raise your skills, elevate your craft I think you're going to be in for a treat because I want to look at how we can create bigger, better, more exciting work through the power of self-discovery and artistic growth while we're looking at self-improvement. I know, I know it's a little odd, but I really hope that you sort of <laughs> work with me on this. I want you to go ahead and grab a notebook or a pen or some kind of sketchbook or something because I'm going to talk to you about 10 different questions that are going to hopefully spark your creative journey in some really interesting and wonderful ways. I think these questions hold the key to unraveling sort of a true artistic essence. And I think they can help you as well as me tap into that wellspring of creativity that's inside you already. So hopefully you're ready. Hopefully you have your favorite drink with you and a sketchbook or a notebook and a pen or some crayons, however you choose to be creative is all up to you. And I'm going to go through the questions and then I'm going to sort of talk a little bit about how you can use these questions to build your art while you build your self-esteem, self-confidence and growth. Okay, here we go. Question one. What emotions or experiences from my life can I infuse into my art to create a more authentic and relatable connection with my audience? And I think asking yourself this question is really key for every creative person. 
emotions are the language of art. And by looking into your personal experiences, I think you forge a genuine connection with your audience, with whoever reads your stuff or listens to you or looks at your art. When you pour your heart into your creations, they resonate on a, on a profound level, touching the souls of other people. And by embracing your authentic self, you invite other people to do the same, and then you can foster that powerful bond that transcends time and space. And so here's a technique to try. Journal your emotions, right? Keep a journal or a mood board and jot down your feelings, events, and personal experiences that resonate with you. Use these raw emotions as a foundation for your creative expression. Because remember, vulnerability often leads to the most profound connections and interactions. And here's an example. I'm, I'm going to jump to Van Gogh a lot, <laughs> even though he did have mental health struggles. But I want to I look at his portraits, his self-portraits, and also portraits like Starry Night, because they offer a window into his inner struggles, and it makes his art really incredibly relatable, even, you know, decades, centuries later. And what's interesting to me about his work always is that I often wonder, like for Starry Night, when you look at that and you see the clouds whirling and the stars dancing and being so much bigger than you would expect stars to be when you're looking at the starry sky, I wonder, is that how he and his genius actually saw the sky? Or was it his interpretation to make the art bigger than what you and I might see when we're looking at the sky. I mean, I live in New York City, so I hardly ever see stars anyway. But when I'm in situations and in places where I can see the stars, they don't look like those roiling masses that, that Van Gogh painted. And so I have to wonder, was he representing sort of what he actually saw? Or was he giving us a, a glimpse into what could be? All right, here's the second question. In what ways can I challenge my artistic comfort zone and experiment with new techniques or styles to push the boundaries of my creativity? Ooh, good question, right? Comfort zones can be cozy, like a warm blanket, but they can also confine you. When you embrace this question, I think it sets your creative spirit on a daring adventure. And to quote Helen Keller, Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. So when you dare to step beyond the familiar, I think you, you walk into uncharted territories of your own imagination. New techniques and styles, they're going to breathe fresh life into your art and your music and your writing. And, it, and they're going to inject it with, I think, a vitality that, that can only come out when you venture into uncharted territories. It's the unknown that gives that art, that creativity, it's sizzle. And I think that's the essence of artistic evolution. It propels you towards greatness because you are walking through, swimming through, flying through, however you choose to imagine it, someplace no one has gone before because no one has your experience, no one has your thoughts, no one has lived your unique lived experience, which means your perspective, especially as you imagine it and develop it, is something that has never, ever been done before 
anywhere. So here's the technique. The technique to try is the random challenge. Try picking three random words or phrases and incorporate them into your next project. This exercise is going to spark huge ideas and break creative blocks. For example, I always do with the writing group that I that I uh, lead and manage, we always do a writing exercise at every meeting, and that writing exercise takes three objects, and they are, usually we use this little set of cards that I developed, and uh, there are a number of cards that are locations, a number of cards that are objects, and a number of cards that are professions. So we choose a location, an object, and a profession, and then we have to write a story to incorporate those very things. So you might get something like ring detective cave, and then you have to write a story that would incorporate a ring, a detective, and a cave. In fact, why don't I read you one of the stories? On March 25th at a meeting, we chose an accountant, a museum, and curtain for the three words. Accountant is the profession, museum is the location, curtain is the object. And we had 10 minutes to write a short story that incorporated those elements. So here is the story that I wrote in 10 minutes. I haven't edited it, so hopefully there aren't too many <laughs> too many issues with the story, but here we go. Oh, and uh, this might and probably will end up in our next anthology. The first one is called In a New York Minute, which is uh, a compilation of all of these different short stories that we wrote for the first two years that we've been meeting. The Now we're sort of writing up and collecting the ones that we're going to uh, put into the next anthology, but that's going to be a little while. But anyway, so here's the story. Oh, Miss Simone. Lester Charles hurried along the hall of the Museum of Ancient Arts. He paid no mind as he passed several necklaces encrusted with gemstones of all the colors of the rainbow. Baubles had never interested him. Numbers did, ever since he was a child. While others played with trucks or spades or G.I. Joes, all he wanted was a pad and a pencil. He wanted to add and subtract. The day he learned the multiplication tables, all in one day, he might add, was one of the happiest days of his life. The day his mother bought him a TI-30 calculator still lived as a hallmark of his 53 years. Miss Simone, he called out again as he caught up to the woman at the end of the hall. She stood before a case that held the jewels of Suyanara, a queen of the Sumatran Empire. Louise Simone turned her elegant head and her striking blue eyes regarded him. They narrowed slightly, but Lester didn't notice. He was on a mission, and it would not do to be distracted by anything. Yes, Mr. Charles, what can I do for you? Her voice was softened by a subtle French accent. I'm afraid we have a very big problem. Lester was slightly out of breath by the time he reached her. He held the clipboard up to her in some sort of triumph. What is it? she asked. It's the bill, he responded, the bill for the gala. Surely everything has been taken care of. Simone glanced at the clipboard. We have big plans for that evening, and everything must go off perfectly. But you see, Charles stuttered, for the first time daunted by the tall woman in front of him, the curtains we were sent for the main room are twice the price that we were quoted. That will not do. Mr. Charles, I am paying you to see that everything adds up, she purred. His breath hitched in his throat. We wouldn't want our problems to multiply, she continued, and his pupils dilated. 
There was nothing he loved more than arithmetic, and her little play on words stirred his depths. I'll take care of it, he all but moaned. See that you do. She nodded as he staggered away, still stunned by her words. We have plans for that evening, don't we? She turned her attention to Suyanara's jewels. The night of the gala was also the anniversary of the queen's death, and also the night Simone would steal the jewels and resurrect her queen. So you can see, this story can be the beginning of a whole new mystery, right? A detective could show up, there could be all sorts of things that happen in this little story that didn't exist before we had gotten accountant curtain and museum as the prompt words for that writing challenge. So it can spark ideas. It can blast through creative blocks. It can help you articulate your ideas. It can help you form them. It can help you write entire books. In fact, one of our members uh, developed an entire book from one of the short stories she wrote at one of our meetings. She started this story, did 10 minutes, and then ended up writing an entire novel about it. You can do it too. It's a great way, again, to spark your ingenuity and creativity, and it will get you moving, particularly if you're finding yourself blocked. Here's an example of how another famous artist used this technique. Pablo Picasso's transition from realism to cubism revolutionized modern art. It showcased how experimenting with new styles can lead to groundbreaking results. Question three. How can I balance vulnerability and strength in my work, allowing my personal voice to shine while resonating with a broader audience? I think art of any kind is a dance between vulnerability and strength. Your personal voice is a powerful instrument capable of evoking emotions that touch the core of humanity. I think that when you find the courage to expose your own vulnerabilities, you can craft a profound connection with your audience. You can draw them into the intimate realm of your own creativity. However, I think it's also important to infuse your work with strength to empower and uplift your audience. The delicate balance between these two elements sets your art on a transformative, on a transcendent journey that speaks to the hearts of many people. So here's a technique. Embrace imperfections. Acknowledge that perfection isn't the goal, right? If you listen to last week's episode with Al Petaway, the Encore episode with my dear friend Al Petaway, he talked about how the technical perfection of a note or a phrase on the guitar isn't really what he's going for. He's going for the perfect emotion, for the perfect vulnerability. The technique, he said, sometimes he'll let go of a need to have the technique be perfect if the emotion of whatever has been written is perfect. So that's something that we really can learn from, right? If you embrace the imperfections, they can be the bridge to connecting your specific and unique voice to a huge audience. And an example of that might be Frida Kahlo's self-portraits, right? They celebrated her struggles and her triumphs, and they resonated with so many. If you see one of her self-portraits, you're going to get lost in it, especially because she, again, embraced those imperfections. Question four, 
What past creative struggles have I overcome and how can I harness those experiences to elevate the depth and maturity of my current creative endeavors? Ooh, that's a good one. Acknowledging your past creative struggles is akin to unearthing buried treasures, I think. These struggles can be the stepping stones that led you to where you are today if you let them be. By examining them, by studying them, by looking at them, you can gain incredibly valuable insights into your own creative growth. It will enable you to refine your creative process and tap into even more depths of your own expression. Each hurdle that you overcome can be a testament to your resilience, your dedication, and it can shape the brilliance of your present and your future creativity and art. So here's the technique, reflect and repurpose. I want you to go back and look back on your previous works, whether they're paintings or pieces of writing or pieces of music. And I want you to analyze if you had creative challenges during creating those pieces, analyze how you overcame them, right? Use those lessons to inform and enrich the projects that you're working on now. And the example of that is one of another one of my favorite creatives, Leonardo da Vinci. His curiosity, his relentless drive to learn the new and to embrace diverse artistic pursuits. He was never a one-stop shop, right? He tried so many different artistic creative endeavors and different genres, different even industries you would call. They were fueled by his determination to surpass creative obstacles. He envisioned so many things that no one had up to then, of course, and people hundreds of years later are still learning from some of the things that he wrote and some of the things that he did. The work of Edward Tufte, for example, it can be directly correlated to the work of Leonardo da Vinci, and Tufte has said it himself, that da Vinci was an incredible influence to him as he was developing his insights on how best to present information. That is what Tufti is best known for, is how do you present information in such a way that the most people possible are going to get the most information possible out of what you've presented. I know that that was a cumbersome sentence. The Tufti would shake his head at me if he heard it. But it's really important. His Envisioning Information and Visual Explorations books are all about how to present information in such a way that people take it in incredibly easily and concretely. And Tufti talks about, if you ever hear him live, he talks a lot about how his inspiration came directly from the incredible innovations of Leonardo da Vinci. Question five, are there any recurring themes or symbols in my art and what do they reveal about my subconscious mind or innermost thoughts? This is a really great one for me because my art Almost all my art has some sort of water imagery in it. And when I was creating my tarot deck, for example, uh, water plays a role. All four suits are different. One is earth, one is air, one is fire, one is water. But I can't tell you how many of the cards ends up, end up with water images in them. That was my COVID project, by the way, the functional tarot. That was what I decided to do. And water played such a huge role. Water plays a role in every song I've written, uh, just about every song I've written. I'm drawn to the ocean. I'm drawn to water. I'm drawn to emotion and intuition. And the un 
unfathomable depths, but also the far-reaching possibilities of the ocean. So that says a lot to me about who I am and why water plays such a huge role in just about everything I create. Because I think art is a visual representation of your psyche, or it's a verbal representation of your psyche, uh, and or or audible representation of your psyche, I guess. And the recurring themes and symbols hold profound significance. So if you explore the depths of those elements, it's like deciphering the language of your own subconscious mind. And you know how much I love talking about the subconscious and your intuition and, and the information that your subconscious can bring you when you need it, right? For me, it's the librarian who lives in my head who looks surprisingly like Edna Mode from The Incredibles. But um, I'm very I'm very good friends with my subconscious mind. I, I ask it for answers, information, ideas, and advice all the time. And I let it bubble up and show me what I need to know, right? Because each stroke, each note, each word is a clue to understanding the core of who you are. And so when you solve those mysteries, when you unravel them, you are going to gain clarity. You're going to allow your art to express a a, a captivating aura almost. It's going to draw your audience into your unique world at the same time as it's going to relate your art to them and let the two of you, you and the person who is beholding your art, relate to one another. And here is the technique, symbol mapping. I want you to identify recurring elements in your work and create a visual map to explore their deeper meanings. So uh, it's almost like a vision board, except for you're going to look back at what you've already created and see what are the symbols, what are the, what is the imagery that I have uh, sort of returned to, that I keep exploring, and then find some images online. Uh, or or in magazines or something like that and make a little board up of all those images and then explore what they make you think about, right? That when I'm teaching people how to read tarot, for example, I do that. I ask them to study each card and sort of see what kinds of things that card brings up for them, right? If they're looking at uh, the two of rods, for example, they're going to be looking at a woman standing atop a, a castle turret and she's got two rods behind her two spears behind her and she's holding a globe and it's to me it's always like the world is your oyster she's looking on everything that is hers her her dominion if you will her domain and uh so it's it's everything to me in that card is all about sort of grabbing uh life by (laughs) by the globes i'll say and uh and really sort of starting out strong to go for what you want. And that castle represents the self. It represents knowing yourself and working through yourself. And the castle appears in other tarot cards. And each time that symbol is there in a card, it's going to represent something similar, right? So when there are those recurring elements and you create a visual map, you can unravel all of that information and it can give you inspiration, but it can also give you information that will be incredible for your self-awareness and for your thematic clarity as an artist. And here's another example, Georgia O'Keeffe. Georgia O'Keeffe's floral paintings 
highlighted her fascination with the intricacies of nature and their relationship to the human form. And it's interesting, there was this beautiful, wonderful exhibit of Georgia O'Keeffe's stuff at the Museum of Modern Art here in New York City, and I went to it. And what was fascinating to me about her stuff was at that exhibit was that it was a lot of her stuff in process, right? They had images of some of her paintings before she finished with them. So it showed the progression of her own creativity as she did all of these incredible pieces of art. And I think the thing about that that's so important is that we can do the same. And in fact, I'm going to put the images of something that I did in the show notes for this because uh, a couple years ago I did a, a creative project, if you will, where I was going to paint a painting a day for a year. And I was asking for requests. And my friend Tamara uh, knows how much I love Starry Night by Vincent Van Gogh. And so she suggested that I paint my own version of Starry Night. And I was like, oh my goodness, okay, I'll try. And I did it. I painted my own version. And what I then did is I posted online six or seven images of the process of doing it, right? So I started with almost nothing, blank canvas almost, and then I showed the progression of how I layered over onto this painting all of the different depths that I could see. And not anywhere near Vincent van Gogh's genius, of course, but what I could see out of what was being done. And it was really fascinating to try and to see what happened. But looking at that progression really, really, really brought home to me how hard it is to do, but also how much I had achieved for myself. And it boosted my self-confidence as an artist because I'm not a painter, really, I'm not. I'm a musician and a writer, but it boosted my self-confidence for all of my creative endeavors. So if you try this, I think you're going to notice that it's going to do the same thing for you. Question six. How can I find inspiration from other art forms, music, literature, psychology, and incorporate those influences to create a unique and captivating fusion of my art? So I think that as artists, we are part of a huge tapestry of creativity that's woven by countless people throughout history and today. And so when you seek inspiration beyond what you normally do, I think you open the doors to a treasury <laughs> of incredibly diverse and wonderful influences. And, you know, no one can tell you what to look at as far as that or what to listen to. I think you have to explore that for yourself. But I would encourage you to follow your curiosity, right? If you're interested in the music of the medieval era, find it. Go listen to that. It's out there. If you're interested in listening to music for from, uh, I don't know, Zimbabwe or from Ecuador, find Alan Lomax's database online. Uh, Alan Lomax was an ethnomusicologist. And what he did is he traveled the world for decades and recorded the music of the different cultures that he visited. And so then he put it together. When I worked at the National Geographic Society many, many years ago, Alan Lomax came and did a presentation for us in an effort to get the Geographic to put his stuff all on Laserdisc. This shows you how long ago that was. He was trying to get it on Laserdisc. But he wanted to have this free accessible database available to everyone in the libraries of the world. So if you wanted to listen to 
music from Ecuador or Argentina or Taiwan or Moldova, where I'm born. If he had gone there, he had a recording, sometimes audio, sometimes video of music from that was indigenous to that area. And unfortunately, the National Geographic said no, because he did not have specific copyright uh, permissions, and uh, which is un- really unfortunate to me. But uh, his daughter, after after he passed away, his daughter decided, you know what, I'm going to take all this and I'm going to put it up online. And so the database, if you if you look at Alan Lomax, ethnomusicologist, if you Google that, you're going to find the database and then you can listen to music from all over the world. Because I think the point of this is that all of this, music, literature, other art forms, uh, they hold a wealth of insights and aesthetics that can really spark your imagination. And when you when you weave those influences into your own work, you're going to craft a unique and captivating artistic fusion that stands apart from everybody else. And it's going to leave an indelible mark. So here is the technique. I'm calling it cross-disciplinary exploration. I want you to dive into diverse disciplines from literature to science and draw connections between their concepts and your creative expressions. I think it's really amazing and incredible when we find things that we had thought of being born out in science, right? I, you know me, you've, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know that I believe that yesterday's myths are today's science and today's myths are tomorrow's science. As we develop better instrumentation, we are able to look at incredible vistas that we just couldn't do before and measure them and repeat those measurements. So if you want to compare Vincent van Gogh's Starry Night with uh, images from the Hubble telescope or the James Webb telescope, just go and compare them. See what there is. See what the differences are. See what the similarities are. It's going to be something that I think is going to really change how you view almost everything. And here's an example, another example of that, Kandinsky. Kandinsky's integration of music into his abstractions gave rise to an innovative and emotional visual symphony. So check out Kandinsky's work to see how he did what he did. Question seven. What aspects of my creative process can I refine or streamline to ensure that I'm consistently challenging myself and nurturing a sustainable artistic journey? The creative process is both a a sanctuary and a playground for your ideas. I think it's so important to cultivate a space that fosters continuous growth and that challenges you to expand your horizons. By examining your process, you identify areas that may benefit from refinement, from breaking things down and putting them back together, from making them more efficient and effective. Because remember, a sustainable artistic journey requires nurturing. Just like a seed needs care to blossom into a majestic tree. By nourishing your creativity, you're going to ensure a flourishing and enduring artistic path. Here's a technique. Do a weekly evaluation. Set aside time every week to evaluate your creative progress. Celebrate those achievements and identify areas for growth. And here's an example. J.K. Rowling, however, whatever her personal 
troubles, trials, struggles. I don't want to talk about those. I do want to talk about her meticulous planning and her disciplined writing routine because they enabled her to craft the intricate world of Harry Potter and captivate readers of all ages. Now, I know that lots of people talk about the other boy wizard with the scar on his forehead, and I forget his name right now, and they say, oh, she was derivative. She might have been. I, I'm not going to, I don't want to get into all of that. What I want to talk about is that she had incredible discipline while she was working on all of those books and the books that she's written since then. Regardless of anything else, her work ethic, I'm all about it. Question eight, do I actively seek constructive criticism and feedback on my work and how can I use that to refine my vision and take my art to new heights? Here's the thing. Anytime we call it criticism, people go, right? And why is that important? It's important because you have to know the kind of feedback you want. And I'm going to talk about that in a sec, but I want you to understand that constructive critique can be the compass that guides you toward excellence. It can be daunting, no question. You Embracing feedback from other people and mentors, it, it, it's an essential part of your artistic growth, but it can also terrify you, and I know that. But, or and, <laughs> by inviting those diverse perspectives, you can gain incredible insights into your work's strengths and areas that you might need to improve. It's like polishing a gem to let its brilliance shine even brighter. Remember, feedback isn't a judgment of your worth. It's a catalyst for reaching new heights in your creative endeavors. But the most important thing is that when you ask someone to give you feedback, know what kind of feedback you want. And I don't mean just, oh, you know, I'll be fine with whatever you say. If you're not fine with whatever they're going to say, don't say that. You have to know how much you're ready to hear because if you're thinking, oh, I can handle whatever they say, but you really can't, it's just going to disappoint you and it's going to strain your relationship with the person who gives you feedback. Instead, go delve deep and find out what it is that you can handle and ask for that. And maybe you'll be able to handle more later, but if for now all you want is supportive feedback, great. If you're ready for more, you can go, okay, tell me what works for you and what doesn't work for you. Don't tell don't ask them for what they like and what they don't like. That's subjective. That's not what we want when we're offering when we're asking for critique, you want to ask for what works for the person and what doesn't work for that person, what's clear and what's confusing, what they get and what they don't get, rather than, do you like it? Because they may love it, but everybody else may hate it. They may hate it, but everybody else may love it. So that's the important thing here is that you want to know what you want to know and be prepared for that level of critique. If you are not prepared for it, don't ask for it yet because it's just going to make you feel bad and you don't want to do that. So here's the technique. It's about finding constructive critique partners. Find other creatives or mentors who can give you honest and constructive feedback and embrace that critique as an opportunity for growth, not as a personal attack. Ooh, I know that's hard, but that's really the way to do it. And here we go. Uh, 
an example, the Beatles. They were super open to feedback from George Martin, their producer, and that elevated their music from catchy pop songs to masterpieces. I mean, their later stuff, masterpieces. Their early stuff, they did covers. They were very, I want to hold your hand, I want to hold your hand, I want to hold your hand. Eh, okay. But then <laughs> when you've got the later albums, uh, you've got magic. Leonard and McCartney working together produced magic, but George Martin helping them elevated the magic to something absolutely timeless. Question nine, how can I embrace the uncertainties and vulnerabilities inherent in the creative process and channel them into my art to create more emotionally compelling pieces? Ooh, right? That's a good question because the creative process is similar to that thrilling adventure I was talking about. It's about journeying into the unknown. And those uncertainties and vulnerabilities are part of that journey. So embrace them because I think they hold the power to infuse your creativity with emotional depth and with authenticity. If you're, imagine you were a skilled alchemist, right? You can transform that vulnerability into strength, fear into courage, and doubt into determination. By channeling those emotions into your work, you're going to create pieces that resonate really deeply with your audience because they're going to recognize the genuine essence of your creations. So here's a technique, fear-driven creativity. Embrace that fear as a catalyst for your creativity. Really infuse the essence of your fears in your work, transforming that vulnerability into strength. And here's an example. Edvard Munch's painting, The Scream, captured the intensity of anxiety. I have anxiety myself. And every time I see it, I'm like, I'm a little uncomfortable because I know that, right? I don't express my anxiety very often. This is a really rough time for uh, a lot of us, but I don't, I don't go out into the world and talk about my anxiety very much. But uh, yeah, when I see that, when I see the scream, it makes me go, yeah, I, I know that. I know that feeling of just, ah, so that painting is, it's an enduring symbol of human emotions, of a range of human emotions. Not all of them, of course, but a range for sure. We come to the last question. Question 10. What legacy do I want to leave through my art and how can I ensure that my work continues to evolve, leaving a lasting impact on both myself and my audience? As creators, I think we have a unique opportunity to craft a legacy that goes on through time after us. It's important to reflect on the impact that you want to make with your creativity. So by envisioning the legacy that you want to leave behind, you can sort of set a North Star for yourself, right? It's going to help you navigate your creative path. Remember, your artistic journey is constantly evolving. If you embrace that, those changes, if you adapt, if you let your art blossom into new forms, you're going to weave something that is going to be almost like a tapestry of inspiration, and it's going to leave an everlasting mark on the world. And here's the technique to try. Think about it as a legacy manifesto. 
Create a manifesto outlining your artistic vision, your intentions, and the impact you aim to leave on the world. Revisit that. Evolve this manifesto as you grow. You're going to be amazed at the, once you actually conceptualize for yourself that this, this is my legacy, this is the legacy I want to leave with my art, it changes how you view all of the art that you make after you've conceptualized the legacy you want to leave. I know it sounds weird, but it's so true. It becomes sort of the thing that informs all of your decisions. Oh yeah, I want my legacy to be X. Is this serving X? If it's not serving X, what am I doing with it? If it is serving X, then I'm free to go, continue, and explore. And an example of that is the incredible... Incredible Maya Angelou's timeless poetry and her writings that inspire generations. And they continue to shape the world's landscape of literature, of poetry, of art, because she always, always had that legacy. And maybe she didn't know it consciously, but we can. We can forge our own legacies consciously. I mean, just look at the title of her work, I know why the caged bird sings. I can't even say that title. I can't even say that phrase without getting a little teary, I, honestly, because, wow, the depths of knowledge, the depths of wisdom, the depths of suffering that she endured in order to be able to title that work, in order to be able to, to even begin to know why the caged bird sings and still write about it is breathtaking for me. And I think that that's one of the things that we can all look at when we look at our own legacy, what legacy we want to leave. When we do that, we can open ourselves to an artistic and creative path that's going to inform how we do things from today for the rest of our lives. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was huge. <laughs> I mean, wow. I'm I'm inspired to go back and revisit some of these questions for myself. And I think if you do that, let me know first of all, if you if you decide to to answer some of these questions, I'd love to hear some of those answers. Uh, I always have a little link. You can leave me a voicemail. And if you if you answer some of these questions, do me a favor, leave me a voicemail, read the question that you decided to answer. And tell me your answer, and I'll put it on a future episode of the show, because I think that's a way for us to develop community together. Uh, and another thing that I'm going to be doing in the next little bit is I'm going to be doing a fabulous uh, giveaway of some of the books by Paul Rodney Turner. He wrote Food Yoga, Nourishing Body, Mind, and Soul, which is one of my favorite books on that topic of food and yoga and how together they can make, in many ways, a whole life. He also wrote a bunch of other books, and we're going to be doing a giveaway. He's on the show next week. So if you hear this and you want to be part of the giveaway, uh, join that episode, and you're going to be able to be part of that giveaway and perhaps get a copy of one of Paul Rodney Turner's books. And what's really cool is that uh, he and his wife actually live in South America, and they run I think one of the only, if not the only, animal sanctuaries in Colombia, farm animal sanctuaries, and it's 
the work that they're doing is amazing. So I'm super excited and super happy to have him on the show next week to talk about all of this. And we're going to be doing a giveaway starting next week. So I hope that you join that episode and do the giveaway. It's going to be super fun. And uh, I'll be sending (laughs) books out willy nilly. It's going to be great. Anyway, the point of all this, the point of all this for me is to talk about how creativity can help our personal growth and how our personal growth can inform our creativity. But I think yoga plays a role in that, which makes me super happy to to talk about, right? We can create every single day. We can move our boundaries. We can explore. We can imagine. We can get curious. All of these things can be part of the questions that we ask ourselves every single day. And if we explore them, truly explore them, and let our imagination soar, we can do incredible things to not only elevate art and creativity and know ourselves better, but also elevate the entire experience of the entire world. Until next time, as always, I remind you to be bold, be creative, and most of all, be kind. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being here. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're new, and it would mean the world to me if you told a friend about it. Today's episode was produced by Isolde Trachtenberg and is copyright 2023. As always, please remember this is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Past performance does not guarantee future results, although we can always hope. Until next time, keep living what you believe in. (music) 